0: the entrepreneur who's pushing to break through the elusive 100K milestone. Wherever you are in your business, you're just 100K away. Today, my featured guest is William Winterton, and you can find him at 5k90.com. That's 5, the letter K, 90.com. Now, William started his first business at the age of 14 years old, and he's never looked back. He's the creator of the $5,000 in 90 days or 5K in 90 days program for coaches and consultants like you, Startup Nation, to scale your coaching business quickly and consistently using the Peace Messenger system. He's going to tell us all about it today, okay? So get your pen and paper. He's the host of the Coaching Success Radio Podcast and the creator of Coach Swap, the world's leading community for coaches to build their one-on-one coaching skills through practice, and repetition. So William, welcome to your first 100K, top podcast on iTunes, top 100 podcast on iTunes in entrepreneurship. Go ahead and take like 30 seconds, just
1: fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Absolutely, Joseph. Man, first of all, I got to just be honest. I am a huge fan of your show. Love what you're doing. I love what you do to support the nation. So appreciate that. As far as uh, filling in those gaps, yeah, I'm all about the coaching and consulting world. It's made a huge impact on my life, on my wife's life, uh, not only financially, but just in our own day-to-day living with uh, everything we've done that has been massively improved has been through the help of coaches and mentors. So yeah, uh, literally, that's what I've devoted the last four or five years of my life to, through the podcast and through my trainings. And it's what I'm all here, dude. I'm here to serve. All right. So
0: I'm hearing you say you're a big fan of coaching. You've hired coaches in your life. Now you want to serve coaches, help them grow their businesses, because let's be real, 90% of coaches are struggling financially. They just are. They haven't hit their 100k. True or true.
1: It's ridiculous, man. According to the ICF website, 82% of coaches will be out of business in the first 2 years. There so that know. means if you're in the coaching world and you're getting your coaching accreditation, certification, you got four of the people with you, only one of you is going to be around in a couple of years. Not even not even saying you're going to hit your 100k. Not even saying you're going to hit your 5k a month. Just that you're not even going to be in business. And that's brutal to me. The number of people who are wanting to get into the industry is growing and the pandemic really kind of fueled that because it's like I can work from home, I can help, I can serve. I got to figure out how to survive past this job that's letting you know everybody go. How do I move on? They jump into this industry, and they they come in all full of fire, and within a couple of years, the the flames been doused, and it's it's just painful to watch, man.
0: So you're going to show them how to do this correctly so that they're not just another statistic. I would love to. I would love so, to. Okay, let's get into it. But first, take a minute share something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know.
1: Something about me that, some, that most people don't actually know is that, okay, so here's the thing. You mentioned I was an entrepreneur at age 14. Uh, that I started doing that performing in front of audiences. I performed magic and I performed, I was a clown, I was a puppeteer, I did all that stuff. And I did that because I was a very shy kid. I come across now as this very big, uh, I got my podcast, I jump on the shows and I jump on the Facebook lives and I'm, I'm fast and I'm talking and I'm excited. When I was a kid, I was so stuck in my shell uh, and I was picked on and I was just, I was unlike what you might see now. I'm not, I was not buff and handsome. I was, as a kid, I was kind of puny and small. Uh, and brother, so, I'm looking
0: at you right now. You're just a beautiful specimen of humanity.
1: Aren't I? And then here's the thing is that most people look at me and they go, how is this guy not cool? And it, as a, as a kid, it really played into me. And, and I I joke about it now. I make a lot about it. But there were a lot of times in my life when it was really a huge struggle, because I, I just literally didn't know where to fit. And I just so how'd developing- you get past it?
0: What's that? How'd you get past it? The shyness? Push- and how'd you get into this big, huge personality self that you are?
1: I started kind of, I guess, literally hiding behind a performance. I put a face on, I started doing magic. I started performing with uh, puppets and actually led a puppet ministry with my church for about 10 years and actually did this uh, a, a number of years performance. And when you're on stage, it's a different persona you can take on. And so I started leaning and living into that persona and found a way to communicate effectively and with, with energy and renewed passion and was able to kind of push past uh, you know, all the stuff that I was force fed as a kid, thinking like, oh, you're not good enough, you're not strong, you're not fast, uh, all the things that were playing in my mind that I could end up breaking through.
0: This is such a common story. Like many famous actors admit this. Like it's almost like acting or stage performance is becoming your favorite superhero and putting on the superpower of invisibility, right? Where you could turn off who you really are, no one could see it, and then turn on this superhero type persona, and just go out and perform and have all this success. Now, it can serve us really well in business, but we also see many celebrities, You know, they hit all that fame, all that fortune, but they never went in and addressed all those rocks within them, the rocks in their head, et cetera, from childhood. So they end up very unhappy. But that's not what today's show is all about. Today's show, we're going to give Startup Nation some really concrete ways to grow their coaching practice. So let's get into it. How do you ethically steal clients from your competitors?
1: It's a great question. So actually, I love this conversation because the, the headline itself, right, lends itself to what are you, what are you ethically doing to actually steal? And it's it's stealing in the sense that everybody who is, let's say, in the world of coaching, who got into the world of coaching strictly because they wanted to make money. They jumped in and thought this is an easy way to make money. I can go in, I can sell a coaching product or a service and I can go in and blow up a business and make money. People who go in that way and don't really have the mental bandwidth to handle what happens with coaching, what happens whenever you're dealing with clients who, I mean, let's face it, as a coach, you're 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 handling somebody's life and livelihood. And so if you're in this for a purpose that is inauthentic, you can literally go in and and create something and And build a coaching business that maybe builds you a lot of money in the the short run, but it's not a sustainable model. And I've seen it happen so many times. I've seen a lot of people build and grow these 100K businesses, and then they're, they're gone in a year or two. They just can't sustain the model. And the way to ethically steal, as I like to put it, is to go in and just be authentic, be 100% like, look, I'm broken. I don't get all this stuff. I don't have all the answers. I tell everybody, like, I am so far from perfect. If you want if you want a list of the things I do wrong, my wife keeps a, 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 an Excel sheet. She updates yeah. in real time of things that I don't have altogether. So I like, there is no hiding. But... What I will do is I will I will meet you wherever you are. If you go 150%, I'll go 150%. And I will do whatever it takes to help you get that result. And when you're results focused and when you're ethically trying your very, very best to help and serve and, and literally thinking outside the box to help give your clients results, you can you can start brushing past anybody who's your quote competition, just because they have uh you know great marketing, a great, you know, a funnel or whatever they've got, right? You can push past that. And the authenticity really does blow up your business so much faster, so much stronger.
0: So William, let me, first off, I like what you just said. Okay. And it's very compelling because you get to show up authentically and say, Hey, listen, I don't have it all figured out. And for a lot of uh, coaches just starting out, they think they need to show up perfectly. And and so that paralyzes them or, or slows them down, etc. However, I'd like to push back on something here because so many people um, will start coaching on things that I like to use the term, I blow up rocks in men's lives. Right. So, you know, the rocks in between them and their wife, blocking intimacy, the rock, you know, keeping them disconnected from the kids or from God or in their businesses, et cetera. Right. So we blow up these rocks together, but any rocks that I help them blow up, I typically have gone through and blown up my own. Now, some coaches I've seen, and I was just speaking with one the other day where they are coaching people to blow up the rocks that the coach hasn't even blown up in his own life. So, Is that showing up as a fraud as a coach, even though you're being authentic? Like, do you tell people, hey, I'm going to help you with this addiction, but I've never actually battled through my own addiction. I still wrestle with it, which is which?
1: It's a common story that a lot of coaches get into the coaching world because they were in a path two, three years ago. They they struggle with addiction. They struggled with weight loss. They struggle with money and they overcame that. And so they turn around and I like to kind of think they turn around and kind of reach back two years and help the people pull through. Look what I did. Look at the system I created to get through that. And let me help you get through that. Right. So that's definitely one possibility with the coaching realm. However, I also know a lot of coaches who don't go through the exact things that the other people have gone to. I know people who coach, for instance, uh, Inc. 500 companies who do not have an Inc. 500 company themselves, but they coach the CEO and members of those groups because they know the skills and the tactics and strategies of either team management, of communication, of of hiring, of firing, of organization, right? And, And it doesn't It doesn't mean you have to have walked the exact walk or else you're a fraud. It just means that you have to be able to understand the problem and be able to deliver a solution that's required of the person hiring you. I get that.
0: I get that completely. Right. So in order to be a good football coach, you don't have to be a good football player. Like that makes total sense. So what I'm saying is very specific though. Because you said the first scenario, coaches, they've overcome their addiction, and now they have a method that worked for them. They want to teach others. What if they haven't overcome their problem, their rock yet, but they're out coaching people and making money off people to get them maybe two steps further, but not all the way there? How do you feel about that? Is that ethical?
1: Yeah, I, I believe that if you're able to provide an outcome to somebody, even if you still currently struggle with it, I think it's ethical. I think what's unethical is if you decide that you're going to go and help somebody get a result that you yourself know that you cannot help them get. Uh, for instance, could you be in a, in a failing marriage and yet still be coaching people on how to have a healthy marriage? Absolutely. Can you be in a position where you have accumulated debt, but you know the strategies can actually help other people out of debt? And if you can get those results, then yeah, it's, it's fine. It doesn't, like we don't always we don't always do for ourselves. What is right. This is why even people who are coaches need other coaches, right? Cause we, we get it. We, we have our own blind spots, right? We have our yeah, own all blind the spots. time, all the time. All
0: right. right? Got it. So startup nation, that's how you ethically steal clients from your co- competition. I just pushed back on William. I asked him some tough questions there, man. He rose up. He took it. All right. So William, next question. How do you create instant confidence in yourself and your offer as a coach?
1: fastest way to create confidence in yourself and your offer is actually to get results for clients. I'm not, there's no sugarcoating it. Uh, if you can't get the results for people, don't put your freaking offer out there. Don't tell people I can help you do this or that if you can't do it, right? That's it. <laughs> If you put an offer like that out there and then you get nervous when somebody signs up, you have every right to be nervous because you have no idea if you can deliver on that. So the fastest way to do it is to create some kind of a, some kind of a program, a beta group, some kind of a test module to actually, put your process through and see if it works.
0: Should you run a few clients uh, through for free or really low amount just to test your chops, work the bugs out of your coaching method? Is that how you should start? What do you recommend?
1: That's a great way to start and get people who already are inclined. I don't necessarily like to go to people who are friends and family and say, I'm trying this new thing, test it out. I actually want to go to the people. And just, here's the thing. People people can smell BS. Like they can totally tell if you're making this stuff up. So if you literally go to a group, let's say a Facebook group or a LinkedIn group or, or wherever your community is, if you go in there and you say, look, I'm creating this system. I've got this, this basically the this shell of a program, okay? And I'm going to be designing it. It's not done. I don't know what the results are truly going to be. I'm looking for some people to test it. It's going to be boatloaded with flaws, but I have a process I want to run through. And I'm looking for people who are going to be willing to, to watch and walk through this. It's going to be messy, but here's what I will tell you. do. First of all, I'll help you get the results you're looking for because it's going to help me. Uh, Second of all, as I build this program, you're going to help me design and build this thing out. You're gonna help me create this. And if something can be improved, I'll do it. Uh, if something needs to be taken away, I'll take it out. But you're literally gonna ask for help in building this process. What's interesting is people like to be a part of that. They like to think that they have something to do with the ground floor. You bring them in at no cost or very, very little investment of any kind, maybe just in exchange for a testimonial. But now you have something that's solid, it's tested. You've worked the bugs out. You're not charging 10K for this thing that you don't know if it works, but you've got some really, and you've got a, a grassroots layer of support too. you got 10 or 20 people who say, oh my gosh, this person's authentic. Um, and you leave it in, warts and all. And that way, when you get the results, people see, number one, your authenticity. Number two, they've actually been there when it was still shaky and they've gotten the results through it. So now that the program's fine-tuned, it's gonna be even better. And then number three, you have a reputation that sustains of, of an authentic coach instead of just some kind of a, um, I can just quickly throw something together and make a bunch of money because I've got a, a slick marketing group.
0: Mm. And I would add number four, they feel ownership in that product because they were one of the founders or right, or the uh, early adopters. Absolutely. So they're more likely to be your sales force for you right, and refer, et cetera. So let's go into the next thing, because what if you make that generous offer to people? Hey, come on in. Let's do a beta group. I'm going to walk you through this method. It's going to help me. It's going to help you. What if nobody says yes, because this happens. So how do you become a client attracting magnet?
1: You have to be very clear on a couple of things. It's a great question. So number one, you have to absolutely understand who you're talking to in the first place. And I'm not just talking about the psych- like the, the demographics of who, like I'm looking for males 30 years old, right? but the psychographics of the person. What are they actually thinking? What's, what's their challenge? What is their problem? And you have to be able to put yourself in front of those people and, and know the questions they're asking themselves and be able to, to basically understand them so well that you can describe their problem, their story back to them in a way that compels them to say, okay, this person gets me whether or not I want to buy their stuff at all. At least they understand me, right? That's the very first thing. You got to know who you're working with and who you can help the very best. Once you understand who it's not so much, see, (laughs) I'm going to back up a second. Usually people go the other way around. They start thinking like, I have a problem I can solve. And they start figuring out like all these things, they create these products and they try and sell them. It's so much faster to figure out who, who you want to serve and who you can help, and then figure out what really what their problem is, and then create a product that's going to solve that problem. It's such a faster way to go than to try and create something for the marketplace and try and sell it to people. And so in the beta process, you already have the who, you already have an idea of what their challenges are, and you just go create something that's going to solve, you know, a specific problem, they Don't have to solve their entire world, just solve that one thing. And if you do that, and you third, you create a compelling offer for them, which is I mean, it's a free group. It's going to run. It's it's free. Uh, you're going to get feedback from me. I'm going, to, I'm going to help you. I'm going to work 110% to make sure this works. It's in my best interest to make sure you succeed. Uh, I mean, it's like you put this really sexy, irresistible thing in front of them. Uh, you're going to get people to sign up. I just don't know how, I don't know how somebody would see this if you're effective at this uh, and think, ah, no, I'm not going to do it.
0: Got it. You know, a little strategy that I was taught through a coach was, well, how do you find out startup nation? What is going on in your ideal client's mind. Like, how do you find out? Well, get a few people to jump on a call, even if it's for free, to discuss whatever they're wrestling with, they're struggling with, etc. Then get those those calls, make sure you're recording those calls with their permission, of course, but then go back and watch those calls. Listen to those calls and listen to the language that that person has, has said, and then compare it to the other call, the next call, the next call, and look for those patterns. Like what's the language people are showing up with when they're describing their problem or their issue or their challenge or their obstacle? That's your copyright, right? That's, that's the writing for your marketing message right there. Don't try to reword it. Just take their language, their phrases and put it right in. Are you struggling with, oh, John said ABC. Just plug and play ABC. So I just want to add that little hack there because I know that helped me tremendously uh, with my coaching practice. William, you agree?
1: Absolutely. And I think if you present it just like you did, and you add very clearly that there is nothing to sell on the back end of this, it's literally... It's, it's a matter of you basically asking them questions. And then I would even say in that conversation, see if there's something you can reciprocate quickly back to them and give them something for their time. People are, de- people are definitely generous to give their opinions on stuff. There's no like, there's no shyness of people telling you what they think, but if you position it correctly and there's no threat of them being you know, like, Oh, well you answered my call. So now I'm going to try and hit you up with this offer. Like mm. you're literally in it for the reason of trying to get information. All right,
0: so William, once we start getting uh, some clients in, and w- we got them into our first offer as a new coach, um, how do we raise our prices without freaking out? Okay, because so many people get so insecure about raising their prices. Again, it's a confidence issue. How do we do it?
1: Yeah. So if you've got if you've got a product that can actually solve a major problem, and the price really is a reflection of the value as of the perceived value in the person buying it and that's a very fancy way of saying if it's worth it to the person they'll pay it uh, and, and money is hardly ever ever the challenge for the person buying if the problem is put in the correct light it's more of a problem in our minds it's that space between our own ears of what we're actually able to charge and we get caught up in this idea of holy crap i can't charge five hundred dollars that's a lot of money or holy crap i can't charge fifty thousand dollars a lot of money it's, it's all what you're thinking uh, There's a really good technique, and I don't remember where I heard this first, but it's a phenomenal idea of how to figure out the value of what you're offering and to basically put it in a way that, that gives credibility to it, and it basically takes away all the resistance. And the way is, is simply this. It's to figure out what is it that you're actually solving? What is the, the main core problem that you solve? And let's say that, for instance, you're able to, to help somebody uh, who's a, just totally embarrassed to public speaking, cannot go out there, they're scared stiff, right? They get nervous, they're sweaty, they're self-conscious, they just won't do it. But they understand that if they take this new position in their job where they're able to go out and speak and actually able to sell and actually able to convince people to buy the product and whatever, that this would be a better promotion, better career. They have a lot of other opportunities. But right now, they're hidden behind this wall of fear. So, what you do is you decide okay, so for this process to get you out of this. And I'm not talking like, you know, we're going to go through Toastmasters for a few weeks and get you better. Uh, we're going to get you to a point where you're confident, you stand up, you, you have the poise, the confidence to go and just pitch anything to anybody. If you can get somebody to that level, what's that worth? So you go through and you say, okay, what's, what is that value? That Well, right now in their job, Could that possibly make them an extra $10,000 a year in their job in promotion and salary and possibly? What could it do for them potentially in the next 10 years? In the next 20 years, right? Depending on how old they are. If they're in their 40s and they got 25 more years of work and they have this confidence ability that's now smashed uh, all all the fear, is broken open, and they can now go and they can speak confidently on a stage, they can present, they can share their ideas with boldness and confidence. How much is that worth over a lifetime? And I ask you, Joseph, what would that be worth to somebody to be able to come out of their shell and speak confidently for the next 25 years uh, in, any, in any format?
0: Well, professionally, I think it's worth millions. Personally, okay. I think it's priceless.
1: Okay, but give me a number. I can't use priceless. Is it worth a million dollars to do that?
0: I think so, depending on the career you're in.
1: Okay, so depending on the career, if it's worth a million dollars to get that fixed for 25 years, all right? And you have it, you now have a solution. And you know that if you don't help this person, they're gonna stay where they are, right? They're gonna stay on the path that they're going. So now you have a million dollar solution that you can quantify in your mind. And does it feel at all weird or icky to suggest that that's a million dollar value over the lifespan of 20, 30 years? Does that feel uncomfortable? Like there's no way that's worth that?
0: I think only if you don't break it out the way you just broke it out. Then okay, yes, so, but you- I think that's the
1: trap, yep. Right, but you can't quantify, and it does make sense, and you, can, and you can definitely see that value. So if you offer this as a, and you don't say this is a million-dollar value of solution, but you have it in your mind. This is, this is your inner game stuff, right? This is knowing what you're worth. You have an offer that will change somebody's life to the tune of a million plus. Can you then, in your in your own conscious mind, offer that value at $10,000 to change somebody's life in a trajectory of 100x that? or whatever that number is, right? Absolutely, if it's, gonna, if it's gonna revolutionize what they're doing and if the pain is strong enough and if the value of what they're gonna get in a lifetime is gonna change. You're not coaching somebody for two months or a year and that's the end of it. You're, you're changing the trajectory of somebody's life from this point on. And that is why we undervalue ourselves. We think, well, I'm getting paid for coaching and if I charge $10,000 and it's eight weeks and it's an hour each, holy crap, that's like $1,200 an hour. That's insane. You don't price yourself by the hour. You're, you're not doing that. You're pricing yourself by the value of the, the outcome. And you have, to, you have to understand the true value of that. And this is why I think coaches so incredibly undervalue their services.
0: William, that was really well said. And I like the formula, the way you broke it out. I like the language as well. Startup Nation, make sure you're taking notes. If you didn't catch that because William speaks so slowly, (laughs) then go ahead and hit replay um, and and listen to this episode again. This is a powerful episode, right? What are we talking about? We're talking about how to turn your part-time coaching business into full-time income for yourself and your family, especially during this pandemic. You need this. All right. You need this. So William, let's go for a second, because I want to go a little deeper on that topic. Uh, I think you addressed it really well. But what do we do if our coaching business, you're serving up, uh, your offers are intangibles, right? They don't, your coaching business does not help people make money specifically. Like they don't, it's not business coaching. It's not business strategy. Um, I'll use myself as an example. Okay. Right. So I'm helping people in their relationships with themselves, with the, with their family, with God, with their kids, their spouse, etc. So like you said, well, Joseph Priceless, sorry, I need an actual number. So how do you give a number in your own consciousness, right? To your offer when you play it out over 10 years, changing the trajectory of my client's life, right? What's that actually worth? That's reasonable in their mind as well. How do you come up with that? Was my question clear?
1: It was. Now, let me ask you, you said you help people with relationships. Give me this. relationships is, is a market, right? And it's a million different things. It could be spiritual. It could be, so give me one, like throw me one. So marriage, right?
0: Yeah. So my clients are typically over 40 years old, married with children.
1: Okay. And what is their challenge? What do they come into you for?
0: Uh, Typically intimacy issues with their spouse or their teen kids are disconnected and they just don't know how to connect with them anymore.
1: Okay. So intimacy with the spouse or teen kids, which one do you want to run down?
0: Let's go with spouse.
1: Okay, so intimacy with your spouse. Now, what happens if you don't have intimacy with your spouse? I, I mean, there's a, there's a number of things that can go on. You can have a marriage. Will it sustain? Of course. You can absolutely make things work if there's not intimacy. It, it can sustain. It doesn't mean it's, it's the end of it. But is it a marriage that you're going to enjoy? Is it a marriage that you're both going to be fulfilled? Is there a marriage that you're both going to really be able to serve each other and serve your children, right? There's, there's, there's levels of intimacy that need to happen in a marriage to sustain it, not just, not just sexually, but just intimacy in uh, uh, believing each other, trusting each other. Financial intimacy, right? Uh, intimacy with the children. How much do you trust me being around our kids? How much do you trust me making decisions? So when this kind of pressure is on the family, you got to figure out, like, if if this were to break us, if the intimacy level is so so close to the edge that somebody's gonna break one way or the other, then you have to start thinking, what is the cost of inaction? What is this going to cost me to not fix this problem? And when it's something that you can't quantify like a business and you put a number to you, you have to think, what is the cost of taking no action on this? What's going to happen? And you run down that trajectory. You run the same process. Say: Okay, if if it goes down this path and we either live a life where we're not able to be fulfilled and sustained, what does that do to your health, your mental health, to have a marriage that is not healthy? does that Do you feel like taking better care of your body and your health whenever you're in a relationship that's not strong? Probably not. Would you feel as confident getting up and going into your work? Would you feel as confident letting your wife go on trips without you or you going on trips without her? Maybe not. Could it end in a divorce? It could. What does a divorce cost, right? And you start playing out these things. It's what is it going to cost to have children at a certain age who are now in two different homes and be able to now navigate this new life of dealing with kids with a broken family and divorce. And you have to start realizing that there's a tangible dollar amount to everything that we decide to do, even if we think it's intangible there's a cost involved. And I can tell you, and I I think you're listening, I think everybody just agrees that when you have a healthy lifestyle, marriage or you're healthy in your fitness and you're healthy in money, you're naturally going to be a better individual. You're naturally gonna have things flow to you better. You're gonna have more confidence, more positivity, more energy, more, more life. And so when you don't have those things and let's say a broken marriage, it reflects poorly on everything else you do in your life. And you can, it's like, you can literally go through and see somebody who's living in brokenness and compare their life to living with somebody who they are intimate and they're, they're having a great, healthy relationship with. So you find out what is the cost of not getting this fixed? And you can still apply those tangibles, a divorce. How much does that cost? How much does it cost to live alone? right? It's, it's more expensive to live by yourself than it is to live married for tax purposes and, and financial purposes. And I, I, there's always something there. So everything you have breaks down. And it's, it's so interesting because when you look at it that way, you realize that everything is connected. I don't, I don't want to coach somebody to be uh, better in their business. I want to coach them to have a better life. And that's ultimately what you as a coach are doing. You're not fixing the problem so they have a better relationship. You're, you're, you're fixing them so they have a better life and, and, and a quality of, of living. And that becomes that becomes so valuable that then if you turn around and say, okay, well, uh, I'm going to work with Joseph because our marriage is is pretty rough. Uh, he's got this ebook. It's forty seven dollars. I think that'll fix it. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> 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 really? Like, why would I? You, right. Listen,
0: you know people think that, okay, and you know people do that. They'll pay the forty seven dollars to save their marriage yeah. rather than hire the coach yeah. and actually care enough to be like, this is worth every nickel i have to save my marriage save my kids etc right and and listen i've had guys that have said no to coaching with me and you know what they ended up divorced and their spouse took them for half of their fortune that they built for years, and they did really well, millions of dollars, all gone, just like gone, boom. And now they're doing child support. They're miserable. They're out dating, trying to learn how to date again. (laughs) They're in men's support groups, just talking and complaining about their problems with other lonely dudes. And I'm like, you could have avoided all of that if you just said yes, back when you had that moment of truth. And so that fascinates me.
1: Those are the stories then, Joseph, that you tell people consistently, like, look, I had somebody just like you, and I know you're not the same exact person, but listen, here's what, here's what we went through. It's a very similar situation to what you're going with, and you talk through it, and here's what happened. Oh, in fact, here's another person. Here's what happened. It's a trend. You're not going to fix this with a quick fix. You know, go watch an episode of Dr. Phil, and your life will be okay. This takes some work, and it, it's painful, and the hardest thing about it is that it's they are, even though they're miserable, they're comfortable. And and the hardest thing is pulling them out of that comfortable level to realize there's something better for you. And again, it's that cost of taking in action. And this is where you have to educate your audience and say, "Look, I understand, right? This, you know, it's not perfect, but it can be so much better for you, for your for your wife, for your family. And look at all the stuff you can avoid. And I just I just want to see you not have to deal with this."
0: Brilliantly said, William. I mean, that was really really well said, uh, Startup Nation. Now I used myself as an example, right? Just to give us something real. And, and William just taught you, hopefully you were listening. And if you weren't, go click replay. He taught you how to take your intangible coaching products and offers and turn them into, in, into tangible pricing, right? How to price those offers. This has stopped so many of you, that one area. You, you've underpriced yourself. You've overpriced yourself. You haven't priced yourself because of that one thing. So hopefully you're about to have a breakthrough right there. Listen again and again until you have that breakthrough, okay? So William finally let's let's complete this show with powerful conversation with you. Tell us the secret to enrolling our ideal clients every single time. So we get a client on the phone. We go through all that work, all that marketing, maybe the paid advertising, whatever we invested. They finally get on. They fill our intake form. They answer questions. They're there. We're having to call. We do not want them to get off that call without saying yes to that better life that we know we can help them get. What's the secret to enrolling them every single time?
1: So the structure you just listed out is a little different than what I do, but to answer your question directly, the, the way to to enroll them is you just give them two options. Either they say yes or they say no. If they don't tell you no, if they don't say no, then you don't let them off the hook. You just You keep asking questions. I am naturally a very curious person. And instantly, if somebody comes up to me and says, yeah, it's just a huge investment, it's a lot of money. I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> yes, it is, right? I mean, it's like, you're right. So what, what do we need to do with this, right? Uh, if they say they've got to ask somebody, it's like, okay, what, well, I'm right here. What do you need to ask? I, 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 I'm, just, I'm just not going to let them off the phone with a simple, uh, I'll think about it, right? What do you need to think about? Like, I really want to know. Like, I, I naturally, if there's something here, tell me. If I am convinced that what I'm offering, or if you are convinced as a coach, any of you listening here are convinced that what you're offering is absolutely the best answer for the person you're speaking with, then it's your obligation to try and help them. You're just guiding them to making a purchasing decision. That's it. You're not trying to sell them. You're not trying to get like their their money or their credit card. You're literally on the phone with another human being. It's a flesh and blood person who is stuck in whatever you do. And And I don't care what niche you're in. It's important. If they're on that phone with you, there's a reason for it. And they they understand at least that there's a challenge that they're dealing with. They have some kind of objection. Most of the time, the objection is simply that they're already comfortable and it feels like they're gonna have to do some work and get out of their comfort zone, invest a little bit of money, put some time into this, uh, admit that they actually have a challenge here, right? There's a lot of stuff going through somebody's mind. So when I said I do things a little bit differently, I like to pre-frame things way before I get onto a phone call. So that when I'm on a phone call with somebody, I'm not trying to convince them to buy my program or or any of that stuff at the time. I I really, uh, through content, through messaging, that's what we're talking about uh, when you mentioned the PEACE system. Uh, The entire process for me is is personal engagement through uh, through authentic client enrollment. That's PEACE, P-E-A-C-E, personal engagement. I'm gonna get to know the person, I'm gonna have conversation, usually through like Messenger or through uh, some kind of a messaging uh, uh, program get to know them, get to see where they're at, and then have a, an authentic client enrollment process where I'm already, I'm already connected with them. And I understand they've already told me all their challenges and get on that call with them and just help them see, look, here, here's what you've told me. Here's a framework on how to fix it, right? And this is exactly what I do, right? Here's the framework. Here's Here's step one. We need to work on this. We need to work on this. We need to work on this. This is it. I'm going to give it to you right here. And if you would like, you can just take this and go. And you can just run this framework and it will work for you. But if you want to actually have somebody hold your hand and walk you through, I will do that. I will walk with you and do this. And here's what I know is that the person on the phone doesn't need more of your information. They can Google. There's nothing that you can say or I can say that somebody else can't Google, right? Or some 12-year-old kids already made a YouTube video about it, right? So it's out there. So our job is not to to inform everybody. Our job is to let people know there's a process. and, And yes, there's gonna be roadblocks, there's gonna be obstacles. This this is a framework. It's simple, but it's not easy. And instead of letting you just run wild and try and figure it out and then have a conversation with you three months, six months, a year down the road to find out you're still stuck, let's just take care of this right now. I, I, I'm here. I want to help you. What questions do you have before we get started? I mean, literally, it's just, I, I don't want to give them an option to be like, well, it sounds good. I'll see what else is out there. Another really interesting thing, I'll, I'll throw this out here as well. And I, I know people are going to be kind of frustrated with this idea, but something I say a lot in my calls and even in my conversations, uh, there was a, a, you mentioned you're from Scottsdale. There was a, a hospital out there. I don't know if you remember, it's called Charter Hospital. Uh, and it was for, for drug rehab and rehabilitation. Okay, so uh, they were on there and everybody just knew that Charter helped people who were in these massive crisis, right? And as a kid, I remember hearing those commercials. They'd come on Charter Hospital and the tagline of Charter Hospital was, please, if you don't get help at Charter, please get help somewhere. And that tagline, that idea is what I live by. I, don't, I, I honestly don't care if, if you don't hire me, that's okay. But if you're a coach and you can't even get to your first 5K month consistently, like if I'm not your guy, if I talk too fast, you know, if I'm too good looking or whatever your problem, it's fine. But get some help from somebody. Don't just try and piece together. I mean, this is a great podcast. I've got a podcast. You can read blogs. Don't just try and piece it together though. Like get some help, get somebody to walk with you who's been there and done that and has a t-shirt. So that, that alone, that, that's really where I come from. And that authenticity that I can talk about and that's how you get people to go on a phone call with you. Like, yeah, I, I don't even know. I don't know how many weeks it is. I don't know how many hours. I don't know. Just look, here's my credit card number. Right. They just want to get on Cause they know that I'm, I'm, I'm just dead serious. I'm the real deal. And I, I just, I care more about you getting the outcome than you working with me. And it's probably a bad business decision in some regard, but it served me very well.
0: <laughs> You're doing over six figures with it. So, you know, it's doing okay. We're going to let it slide. We're going to let it slide. <laughs> All right, William, thank you for breaking that down. And, uh, Hopefully, Startup Nation, you've been confronted a little um, through our conversation today. You've been challenged. You've been pushed. You've been nudged. I believe my spiritual gifting is the gift of irritation. My job is to irritate you enough out of the comfort, comfortable misery uh, or stuckness that you're in, like William was saying. Uh, So William, well done on that. Welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the hustle round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready, sir? Let's go for it. All right. What's your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur out on your own, carrying the weight of the world on your
1: shoulders? That nobody determines how much I make in a year. What's your least favorite thing? Uh, That nobody determines how much I make in a year.
0: (laughs) So you can get comfortable, can't you? Absolutely. Yep, yep. got it. Uh, what are you most afraid of?
1: I'm most afraid of not having uh, kids that want to visit me when I'm older.
0: I wish more people were afraid of that. That's a good one. Uh, I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. What are you currently struggling with right now, either professionally or personally?
1: mentioned this before my, my, again, I'm just big time with my kids. Uh, my son was having a lot of trouble with this lockdown pandemic stuff and just not being around other people that's eased up, but it's, it's a slow process.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a big one. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year?
1: Uh, honestly, I spent way too much time, uh, watching Netflix. I didn't, I'm not a Netflix person, but I've been watched more than I want to admit. I
0: get it. What secret fear do you have about people?
1: I'm afraid people are going to figure me out somehow. Like I have this a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like, oh, okay. So
0: what, what are they going to find under, underneath?
1: That, that I really am not a star quarterback type of a guy that I'm just kind of this, there's a rumor that I'm even a bit of a nerd and I just don't want that to come out.
0: <laughs> I don't know when to take you seriously. <laughs> what do you wish you had learned sooner in business?
1: Uh, just done is the new perfect.
0: Yeah. Complete thing, startup nation. Get it done. What's a new habit you want to create?
1: I want to learn. I want to learn a new language. Cool. Which one? Portuguese. By when? I'd like to learn that by my wife and I are going to be going there. It's a 20th anniversary uh, in the summer of uh, 2022. Uh, so I'd like to have fluency that I could walk around like, uh, like I know what I'm talking about.
0: All right. Now you have a clear goal with a timeline. What's a bad habit you want to break?
1: I talk really fast. I don't know if no. anybody's noticed that. I know, I know. Another lie, but I think it's, yeah.
0: Now you're not from New York or New England, right?
1: No, I, I, I'm from Oklahoma where they talk incredibly slow. So then why, you copying, why
0: are you copying New Yorkers? What's the deal, man? It's <laughs> cool with the accent, but I don't know about this. All right, pick three. Uh, <laughs> what's a bad habit you want to break? You just said that. You're going to talk slow. Any game plan on how to do that? I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, I, I just keep trying, keep being consistent. I've got notes, seriously, all over my computer. You can't see it. That just say, slow down, dude. And it literally, it helps. But then I start thinking and talking and I get excited and, you know. The
0: heck <laughs> <with that? laughs> Got it. Pick three words to describe who you are now. I'm sorry? Pick three words to describe who you are now.
1: Uh, world's funniest dad.
0: Nice. Pick three words to describe who you were your first year in this business. Uh, green,
1: eager, hungry.
0: Got it. And last question, if you could come back to life, William, after you died, look your wife and kids in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about everything, what would you say to them?
1: Just start. Just do it. Just Take start. The risk. Take the risk. Do it, Start a nation. Do it.
0: Any final <laughs> wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about making their first 100K or more this year?
1: If... It is not as hard as you think, and it is not about the number. You'll make the 100K, and you realize that that's not the answer. So don't do it for the money. Do it for what the money is going to be able to let you do.
0: It's so true, and it's hilarious how ridiculous we act because we chase the number. We chase the number. Then we get the number, and we're like, but now I have more bills. I have a bigger lifestyle, so the number just doesn't fulfill. So I need the bigger number. So we go from the 100K to the 500K. Then we get there. Same problem. Then we go to a million. Get there. Same problem. The people doing 100 million or a billion, same problem. I guess you got to work on the inside too. That's just what it comes down to. All right. William, what's the best way for Startup Nation to get in touch with you if they so choose? When Number one got. way
1: to reach me is through Facebook. I'm on there all the time. You can just literally go to my Facebook page, William Winterton. You Just go there; and it's my personal page, not a business page, and reach out to me. I also moderate a huge group for life coaches out there. It's called the Empowering Life Coaches Group. Got about nine thousand members in it. I go live there every week. You can check me out there. Uh, you visit my podcast. All the information is in the show notes. It's fastest way is Facebook, though.
0: Awesome, and the website.
1: The website, as far as reaching out to the 5K90 program, you can just reach out 5K90.com, see the testimonials, see the information about it. And if you really are interested in getting to your first 5K month consistently, uh, check it out.
0: All right, Startup Nation, you heard it here. William, thank you for being on your first 100K. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir.
1: God bless you, my friend. It's a great show. Thank you for having me on. It was an honor and a privilege. Have you
0: tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? To see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.